Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. It's our post E3 podcast. We're going to be talking about all the things we loved, all the things we missed, and the things we can't wait to get to later in the year. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Keanu Reeves. (laughs) And Jordan. To infinity and beyond. Two great call Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to go down with the... uh, what did he say? You're all delightful, or what was it? Um, his response to the crowd when they when he said it's going to be breath. You're breathtaking. breathtaking. Yeah, and he's like, you all are breathtaking. Absolutely um, incredible moment. Like, so yeah, we'll get to that. So they were going to be going over everything. Is I had all three of us prepare our five favorite things from E3. So this could have been a game announcement. Uh, a release date for a game finally announced, a reveal of something. It could have been a moment with the developer or like Keanu Reeves. Just your five favorite things that happened at E3. Then we're going to go over the one thing we wish was at 3 that wasn't there. And we're going to be closing out with uh, giving our individual lists for our five most anticipated games for the second half of 2019. Um, obviously there was a bunch of games announced for 2020, but we reserve that for the end of the year when we do our pre-recorded podcast during the holiday break. So we'll be giving our most anticipated 2020 games at that time, though we'll probably talk about some of them in our top E3 things. So we'll kind of go round robin here. I'll go first. The first thing I want to talk about, one of my favorite things at E3 2019 was we finally saw Animal Crossing. Um... Animal Crossing New Horizons. It's going to be coming out in 2020. Uh, people were disappointed that, that it, it got bumped. Were we going to say, Jordan? I was just saying you finally got the name. Oh, yeah, we finally got the name as well. Um, there was more people disappointed with this uh, reveal than I was anticipating. I mean, that's kind of my thought process with a lot of E3 is there was a lot more negativity than I thought was deserved. There was some well-thought-out criticism that I thought was just in terms of us not seeing a whole lot of gameplay. I get that, but a lot of pessimism this year. Um, I don't know if it's from people wanting to justify Sony not being there. Or I don't know. It just it was very pessimistic and cynical this year and kind of bummed me out from a lot of coverage. Thankfully, the Easy Allies guys um, were pretty positive. Not, not necessarily positive, but they were even killing a lot of things. They had a lot of criticism, yeah. but they also had a lot of things they were happy for. I like that balance. So it was their first year in their studio, or yep. first E three in their studio, I should say. Oh, well, also their first year, but um, <laughs> it is. Uh, they mentioned that in their little kind of trailer thing that they do every year before E three of like kind of their schedule, which I also appreciate. Yeah, and then um, yeah, they Jones was like, "We're gonna do it big, regardless of who's there," and I really appreciated that. I agree, on, doubling down on animal. On Animal Crossing 2, by the way, like all like most of the Nintendo games, like they put out a lot of gameplay during the Treehouse, treehouse. thing going on after. Yeah. So, and, and that was awesome. And it's actually one of the benefits of us kind of waiting uh, a bit after the shows to do this recording is that gave me some opportunity to watch a bunch of gameplay from Animal Crossing, Luigi's Mansion, Link's Awakening. You know, that was more than just what they had in their direct. So. Exactly. Or hear from the people like Easy Allies or other uh, journalists who got behind closed doors demos or more experience right, right, with yeah. the game. Um, so we might actually do this in the future. We might actually wait a week every year to uh, get all of that information so we can properly 
um, speak about our our thoughts and our culmination of everything yeah. we heard from the show. More, but with animal, more details come out, you know. Exactly. Uh, there's some details we'll get to if anybody mentions Jedi Fallen Order that I thought were surprising. But with Animal Crossing, we got the title, like Jordan said. Um, we got a couple of details. There's some uh, new crafting system. Uh, the way the game starts is you're going to be picking your place on the map, and you start with a tent, and you kind of build your way up to a house, and obviously the normal thing with Animal Crossing of getting furniture and decorations, and um, you can actually landscape a lot now. Um, what else was there? You can move uh, your furniture and items at half blocks instead of full blocks, which is also really cool for customization. Um, they teased some multiplayer stuff. Obviously, at the end of the trailer, they showed a bunch of uh, people gathering together, uh, looking off the shoreline. Um, from what I saw in the Treehouse gameplay, it seems like, say me and you, Jordan, both have Animal Crossing, that right. I can invite you to my, my map, and you can actually set up your own house there. And I don't know Separate if it's your house. my house. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's On what it is, account. so... It's, it's a completely different thing, so whenever you come over to my world, you have progress that you can work towards as well, so you're not just transferring over, and there's, like, no reason for you to be in my world to begin with. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. There wasn't a whole lot more that I'm, like, surprised by. It's pretty much what I wanted in an Animal Crossing game, and I'm fine with that. The release date is a bummer in the sense of, like, obviously with any game we anticipate we want to play it as soon as possible, right? But Nintendo made it very clear that they're... They're delaying it um, in order to make sure that the game's quality... And also, separate from Animal Crossing, Nintendo talked about, you know, game crunch and wanting to make sure their workers are in healthy, safe spaces in terms of their work-to-life balance. I'm completely fine with that. Honestly, I was under the assumption that if this game didn't come out before all of the main holidays started kicking off, that they would delay it to the beginning of next year. Because, like we've talked about multiple times on the podcast, it's a game that relies on all of these events for you to come back to the game, right, throughout the year, over the course of days and months. So, not too surprised by that. It sucks that it's mashed in the first part of uh, 2020 like a lot of other games are trying to get out before the next gen comes out. Um, that's probably something Dude. we'll be talking about in podcasts uh, to come of all of these games. It's We've talked about in the past the first quarter of, of years being more stacked than they used to be, but there's like five or six ma- like major AAA uh, titles coming out within like weeks of each other. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. Um, that was my first thing. Um, the way we'll work about this too, guys, is if one of us brings up something that somebody else had on their list, feel free to jump in and that'll be the point for everyone that has it on their list to talk about it. So, uh, Jordan, go ahead and hit us up with your first favorite thing from E3. So Animal Crossing isn't on my list, but I just want to say, since you brought it up, that, uh, I'm slowly building anticipation and have certainly been looking for a game that's a lot more zen and that doesn't require a lot of energy out of me. Yeah. Um, so I'm patiently awaiting, you know, take your time, Nintendo, but I'm, I'm there for it, you know. Cool. Okay, so big surprise, boys. Marvel's Avengers. Oh, cool. Um, this isn't as... on my list, but I'm with you with, like, the Animal Crossing thing, so I can't wait to hear what you thought. Yeah, so as... As we know, I'm, I'm super into comics, so that's not a huge surprise uh, that I would be very excited about an Avengers game. Um, I've heard the complaints. Uh, of course... Can't escape people, them. <laughs> right. I mean, I knew that people were going to be like, 
Well, it's not exactly MCU. It doesn't... It, like, I think the reason I didn't have that issue is because I watch a lot of the animated stuff. And so I'm used to other people voicing Tony Stark or Iron Man. I'm used to... Hell, I'm used to... Uh, shit, I just forgot the guy's name that's playing Thor. Um, Travis George, Willingham. Travis Willingham. I'm used yes. to him playing Thor in the animated sh- stuff. Um, so it's like, it's really a pretty smooth transition for me. And I mentioned in our chat, like when, uh, uh, wow, I am just forgetting voice actors' names today. Nolan North says, uh, try to keep up as Tony Stark and then shuts his mask and blasts off. I'm like, I'm, I'm there, dude. I'm, I'm totally fucking down. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, the presentation where they gave the trailer and then they say, we want to show you the cast and it's uh, Troy Baker as Bruce Banner, Nolan North as Tony Stark, Travis Willingham as Thor, and then um, uh, Laura Bailey as uh, Black Widow, and then dude who played Javier in Walking Dead is uh, Captain America. So other than him, the Captain America guy, I will say, uh, I think that the other four people that I mentioned, I think that they're great folks, and I think that they are tremendous voice actors, but developers. There's more than four voice actors. Yeah. That's a tough thing is because... Straight up. And, you, dude, I watch dubbed anime, so I know all about hearing the same voices over and over <laughs> and different yeah. stuff. It does. That's not what affects me. What affects me is when I see, I know this stuff well enough to know, even just Laura Bailey, like, any big female character in a video game is now her, right? Yeah. Whereas, at least if it's a guy, it's a toss-up between Nolan and Troy. <laughs> so it's like... Come on, guys. I just, there's so many extremely talented people out there and that are already in video games, that are already doing other roles and nailing it. And I get that you want to have, like, the, you know, the Brad Pitts and the Leo DiCaprios of voice acting, essentially. But I think it's a little much. This time, when they, when they, like, introduce the video, and I'm like, it's not going to be Nolan North and Troy Baker and Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham, is it? And they literally walk in and sit down on the couch. I'm like, God, fucking the, Jesus Christ, man. The thing that sucks is, like, if you were to say who would be the voice cast of an Avengers game, they would probably be the ones you name because they are, like, the Avengers of voice actors in video games. But the thing that right. sucks, like you said, is that they're literally in almost every other AAA game. So, right. to that point, it's un- it's unfortunate that they're all grouped together once again. If, if we were living in a bubble, right, and this game came up before any of the other games they are featured in, be like, oh, this makes sense. This is the Avengers cast you want. But the fact right. that they're in all these previous games, they're like, oh, well, it's all of them like, again. Other superhero games, like Troy and Laura are Batman and Catwoman in the Batman Telltale series. Uh, right? Like, yeah. It's, it, it just keeps, like, stacking on top of itself, right? And it's like, all right, guys. I, and here's the thing. I think that this is no one's fault but the developers because I don't think this is publishers coming from the top down saying, we want to get those big famous ones. Get uh, that Troy and uh, Nolan guys in there. I think this is developers being like, oh, who are we got? We have a, a budget for voice acting. Who should we choose? Well, dude, Nolan North and Troy Baker are awesome. Yeah, and Travis Willingham and his wife, Laura Bailey, they're really good too. It's like, well, the crazy thing weak. is, it's it's a weak choice, you know. If it was uh, the coalition or like um, Naughty Dog, it's like, well, they worked with them before. But the fact is, is that I don't 
think any of them were in the Tomb Raider series, right? Or Deus no, Ex. Not that I know of. To my memory. So it's like, right. it's not, there's not even that previous working relationship where you're like, oh, of course they'd bring them in because they've worked with them before. My hope, honestly... It, it reminds me of like a popularity contest sort of thing, you know? Which sucks because they are very talented, but to your point, there are so many people out there that I would like to see given the chance because this is the type of role in a video game that could catapult them towards the Nolan North and Troy Bakers and Laura Bailey's, right? And put them in the right. echelon. But instead, you're giving it to the people who have already reached that uh, that place. Um, my one wish is I hope Dave Fenoy gets to be War Machine. <laughs> just add another one of that grouping. Just bring yeah. on Dave Fenoy to be War Machine or something. I, I just like See, Dave Fenoy's he's voice. A guy, he's a guy that pops up in tons of stuff. Animated movies, TV shows, video games. But he's usually just a character. He's, yeah. not, a, he's not an extra He's, but he's not a star either, and it's like, how is that guy not fucking starring in almost or um, you know, all these video games? Hutchinson, I can't remember her first name. The lady who does yeah. uh, the girl who does Laura... a maybe it's Laura Hutchinson, but um, uh, Jesus Christ, Clementine. Clementine's voice actress. Yeah, I think Dude. she does. She's worthy of a lot of opportunities too, because I think she's great. So I would have really liked to see Vanessa Marshall. She's known for doing uh, Star Wars Rebels. And she's uh, Gamora in... Uh, she's Captain Syndulla in Rebels. And she is Gamora in the Guardians animated show. And I think she'd be an awesome Black Widow. Um, but we're going down the rabbit hole here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we is, are at the bottom of the rabbit it's, hole. It's I a cool conversation, though. I mean, we've been going on for a bit already. But it's cool. It's On one hand, it's really cool that video games are at a place where the voice actors are now a marketing point, right? Where it's cool, like... Guys, well, like, but Dom, that's the got, thing. You know, those four you that we're talking about, only those four are. A <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah, that's kind of the problem of it. Yeah. Anybody else there. in that role, unless they're a celebrity from like Outside live action of, stuff, yeah, yeah, is not a selling point. But they could be. They're talented enough to be. You know. Mm-hmm. And when the guy was like, uh, "I'm." whatever my name is uh play in captain america and then the easy allies said later yeah I use javier from season three of the walking dead i'm like fuck that's awesome you know or, uh, and it's like just one just one new new guy really the guy who one played the guy who played joker in the batman series too the one that kind of looks didn't he yes. audition for solo as well harrison ford um he, he might have his name is anthony and gruber yeah, he's great too. I wish he. Yeah. yeah. The, the, my hope is Jordan that with the additional characters we get, which they announce all the characters are going to be free, I hope that we do see a spotlight on them with those really cool like fighting game style reveal trailers, and we do right. get a peek at the voice actor behind them. If you're not going to take the opportunity great. with the main cast, do it with the extra characters that are going to be added. That'd be great. And just like uh, Willingham reprising his role of Thor from the animated stuff. I would love to see some more of that. Like Phil Lamar has played Black Panther. He's really awesome. Melena um, Vaintrub as Squirrel Girl would be dope. There's obviously a plethora of Spider-Man uh, voice actors that you could choose from. Um, I liked that uh, Spider-Man PS4 had the same Miles Morales voice actor as uh, in the animated show. So um, Stuff like that I can really appreciate. Um, especially for superhero voice actors. So, anyways, just the game in general, real quick. I will say um, it looks great. I know that there were complaints from the gameplay demo that it's just not quite there, and that it's not um, maybe the combat isn't as awesome as you want it to be. And some people 
uh, connected that to the fact that like compar- excuse me comparing that to Spider-Man Spider-Man's one guy and they focused all their combat mechanics on, on him on one character yeah this is four characters to start with um, it's so, a year out too so right they've got time and I know that everyone's going to compare this to Spider-Man PS4 that's fine but I'm not necessarily going to be doing that because it is a different deal it's a different studio. It's kind not an exclusive. There's a whole. Yeah. I mean, there's a laundry list of differences if you actually look at it and don't just do the knee-jerk reaction of, oh, they're superheroes. It's the same thing. Um, but, you know, it happens, and um, I think that this game probably won't have as high of a Metacritic score as Spider-Man when it's all said and done, but I think that it is going to have a solid single-player campaign. I know a lot of people are worried about that. I think it's going to have a solid single-player campaign, plenty of fun stuff to do uh, multiplayer-wise, and I think it's going to be a very satisfying Avengers game, especially, you know, it's probably the start of a franchise, so who knows where it could go from there. But I'm with you. I don't think there's a chance that this game is any less than good. Whether it right. is great, who knows, but I, I can't right. see it being any less than good. Uh, one thing before we get to your first uh, favorite thing of E3, Dom, a great thing I heard is that the combat design, the guy who worked on God of War and the Leviathan Axe is working on the Thor's hammer in Avengers. Perfect. Yeah, it's great. Because uh, I heard, you know, some impressions saying it's not as good as God of War throwing the axe. So it's weird that it's the same guy. Interesting because... So I heard that too. It's, it's the whole thing with the demo, Jordan, that you talked about how like some people felt it wasn't there yet. There was other people yeah. I listened to their impressions of it, and they they seem like they're like, oh, this game is a year out. The Looking at the hammer, it seems like it has the potential to be the Leviathan Axe. is more of a positive approach to it of like you right. see instances of it, but it's not fully there. And from hearing from developers, a lot of that stuff, a lot of games come together in the last like 8 to 12 months, you know? Oh, so, for sure. Um, One last note on the facial animations. People were kind of griping about that and saying it's not all the way there. Dude, I don't I don't know what the fuck people want. Like I thought it was people good. not understand that we aren't there yet. Like shit isn't totally photorealistic, no uncanny valley. Like it's it's there. Like you just you're playing a video game, you know? You're not playing an interactive version of the live action Avengers movie. It's just the way it is. So when people bitch about that, I'm like Dude, it looks fucking great. And not only that, but, like, the in-game cutscenes that we get nowadays are essentially better looking than the CG trailers and cutscenes that we used to get not even five years ago. So when people bitch about it, I'm like, dude, you just, like, it looks crystalline, you know? It looks so fucking pretty. How can you be bitching? I love that scene, too. I thought it was emotionally captivating with... Tony and uh, Bruce. It was a weird cut, like oh, yeah. in the middle of the presentation in terms of pacing, but the scene, yeah, like standalone, weird. I thought it was really good. Um, but, I mean, right there, Jared, like, what, 30, 45 seconds, and I'm like, Nolan and Troy fucking killing <laughs> the game over here. Exactly. Of course, Nolan and Troy. Uh, Dom, hit us with your first one. Uh, hands down, the best moment out of anything the entire week, and the game I'm most excited about in general. Just the, the best thing I've thought from E3. Just hands down, Cyberpunk. That's on my list, oh, too. Oh, yeah. I thought you were about to say Breath of the Wild, too. No, I mean, potentially that could have been, but, I mean, we didn't... There wasn't really much there, right? Sure. sure. That's exciting in a sense of, like, oh, sweet, that's coming, and it might coming, be sooner yeah. than we would have thought. Um, 
But Cyberpunk <coughs> was like, I mean, it's not as often anymore. I feel like we get awesome, like crazy E3 moments, right? Like surprises. And obviously, like the way the the fact that that was kept secret, um, at least from me, um, I guess some people knew. I don't know how, or I guess you just got to stay off certain forums like the day before because everything. Are you talking about out. Keanu? Yeah. So the Keanu reveal in the game when he just like picks you up and leans over you or whatever and he like says, we got so, a city to burn. Like that was nuts. And then to follow so what that it up is, with is him you're out. seeing him glitching, but it's neck down and you just hear yeah. Get the fuck up, samurai! And I was like, "Yeah, that wasn't Keanu." And then he bends yeah. down, and you see his face with sunglasses on. And I literally jumped out of my chair and stood yeah. up and started screaming in my house. Which I know I don't do for anything. I know. And then he takes them off, and it's totally him. And just yeah. wow. The wow. funniest thing to is like that up. I think most people coming onto stage. Yeah, I I think most people thought it was going to be one of those like lame stingers, you know, that happens at the end of every trailer. So it's like your yeah. character dies, and it's like time to get going, and then it cuts. And I don't think anybody expected it to be, oh my god, Counter Reeves. But to your so, point too, Dom, him walking out is like, oh my god, unbelievable. And the then he's leaks, just up there being a goofball, and it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> There's leaks that that everybody knows about and that are well documented. Elden Ring is a perfect example of that, right? Uh, or even George Martin blogs about like working on a Japanese video game, and it's like I think we can connect that to the the uh, Amazon Japan listings or whatever the fuck we had. Um, so there's that, right? But then there's also ones where dudes that like work on uh, that maybe are just working on Avengers Endgame for one day, right? There's this guy that just decides to post. Like in a Reddit thread of like, what would be the craziest thing of Avengers Endgame? Dude just goes Fat Thor. Turns out that was real. He was leaking that, and somebody actually did that with Keanu. Yeah, but nobody believed it because it's like, why the hell? And that's that that's what that's what I'm talking about. It's yeah. like we have the Elden Ring leaks where it's like, oh, well, we can connect this to that and that to this, and we know like there's corroboration from Kotaku mm-hmm. people or whatever. But then there's the stuff where it's like Fat Thor or Keanu's in Cyberpunk. And people are like, dude, that'd be so fucking crazy, man. Wow, that'd be awesome. But nobody believes him, and then it turns out to be true. That's the coolest. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That whole the whole moment, I just like – I was the same way, Jordan. I mean, I wasn't screaming, but I was just sitting there watching this thing by myself, right? And I, I screamed. I got visibly excited. I was like, oh, look. I and then I did it again when he walked out, and I was just like – Yeah. Mind was kind of melting. Um, yeah. The game looks sweet too, by the way. Um, I'm really excited. So, like, yeah. more than ever before, I'm getting excited excited about the setting and the, the style of everything in like that world. Um, normally, I, I'm more into like the fantasy style stuff. Um, not that this isn't fantastical, but obviously, it's it's a right. you know a cyberpunk world or whatever. So, I'm I'm really starting to like get dug into like this whole like '80s aesthetic. I don't know what you call it, but uh, cyberpunk is has its root in the '80s for sure. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of the, the technology and the stuff that's going on and like I'm just getting pumped um, so it's just I'm, I'm fucking cyberpunk man so I'm ready it was on my list too um, I was disappointed yeah. with this game yeah, that we didn't see gameplay during the show I mean no yeah. I shouldn't disappointed but not like sad like the counter reef thing was great I'm satisfied with the so whole thing why do they do this Jared where they do a trailer on stage do a ginormous behind closed doors demo and then, however long later, a week, two weeks, a month, they're like, oh, yeah, here's that demo. 
So I think this year it was about to do that with this one too, right? Exactly. I think this year, not specifically Cyberpunk, but other games, it's a product of, I think, the Anthem and Fallout 76 situation where I think they, I think the general audience doesn't understand like, games are mostly broken until they release, right? They come together at the last moment. And especially, I mean, The Witcher 3 was broken at launch. Um, and then obviously it won game of the year and it was fixed and broken? fine and everything. Um, and I think obviously Cyberpunk's gonna have some issues at launch, as we expect How because it's Witcher such. Three broken? Uh, there was a lot of game breaking uh, bugs and stuff in the game. I mean, there were like bugs. I had. Uh, I remember the controls were a little like wonky. Gwent. I had a Gwent bug that you know basically fucked up my whole Gwent situation. Um, and there were certainly like frame rate issues, but I wouldn't say necessarily. I guess broken, broken is a, yeah, broken than, is a strong word. I more than any other game, you know, yeah, especially open world. Broken was too strong of a word. Fallout seventy six was broken. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, broken was a strong word, but yeah, Dom, there was that that issue too with the controls. Um, anyways, it's just I think they they want to play it safe. If they wouldn't have done the one last year, I would have been a little bit better with it this year. But the fact they're doing the same thing two years in a row is kind of weird. And, yeah. man, with Cyberpunk, I'm in a tough place. So I know that game is going to be incredible. I'm buying yeah. it day one. I'm yeah. just not excited for it right now. Um, mm. I know we talked in chat about the gameplay that they're going to be releasing at PAX uh, West. And both of you are like, oh, I'm kind of media blackout. I'm sold on the game already, which I completely understand. Yeah. For me, yeah. I want to watch it. But it's weird because, like... I don't need to watch it to validate that it's going to be a great game because I already know it is, especially based on last year's demo. It just I need more in order for me to get excited about it. I don't know what it is because, like, I'm not down on the game. I'm not worried about it. I I can't wait to play it, but I'm just not, like, hyped about it. I'm, like, super excited about, like, Animal Crossing and Avengers, even though, you know, Cyberpunk will probably be a way better game uh, if all things come together. It's just, it's, I'm in a weird mm-hmm. spot with that game. It's a very another odd. something that you just brought up that uh, is a very valid criticism that I'm hearing pretty often about this EP. This E3 is uh, big lack of gameplay shown. Yeah, for press conferences specifically, and I, I really have to say I agree with it. That you you could feel a shift from last year to this year. How much less gameplay and demos there were now. I, cer- I certainly think there's something to be said for tightening that stuff up. There's been ones in the past that are uh, way too long and super- superfluous, but it was almost non-existent this year, especially uh, as I looked back after watching all those press I conferences. Mean, it was wild. Going into this E3, who would have thought that one of the games we would see the most gameplay from was the EA Star Wars game? Like, Fallen right. Order had some of the most gameplay at any... Yeah. Um, I think, for me, there was there was two games that I was extremely disappointed didn't have gameplay and there was one that I was bummed with cyberpunk is the bummed one i'm like not super disappointed but it's like ah eh, come on the two that i was second year in a row for cyberpunk and it's coming out before next e3 you like. know what game comes out before cyberpunk that didn't have any gameplay at, at e3 gears 5 yeah well and uh avengers no, and that was my like, other one. So those two are the ones that I'm like actually disappointed in show gameplay. That's the thing. It's okay if you don't want to show gameplay last year, Cyberpunk. But y- this is your last E3 before you come out. How are you not showing gameplay? Yeah. And it- especially if you're the fucking Avengers game and you have Square do this live show that they don't usually do 
And you have this awesome demo example at the beginning of the show with Final Fantasy VII Remake. How the fuck are you not going to show us gameplay for your coming out party? That was whack. Yeah. Uh, anything left to say about Cyberpunk, Don, before we get to my next one? So, I'll just yep, say about... Eye. I'll just say about Cyberpunk since it was on my list as well. Obviously, you guys know my excitement for this game is, is out of control. Um, though it is constantly tempered by the reminder that it's only in first person. Still yeah. upset, by the way. I always forget about that, yeah. Later, <laughs> a year later. And that's what's upsetting about it, Jared, is when it's like, people are talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this could be fucking awesome. And then I see video and I'm like, oh, this is in first person. Oh, I can't see my character that they're talking about all this customization for. Oh, oh. So, that's obviously my one big hang-up on it. But other than that, I think that since we really didn't see much gameplay, it was really down to just hearing the people talk about it that saw the demos, and they were even more hyped than they were last year coming off of it, and they were they were serious. They were like, listen, I know I'm hyping the shit out of this thing, but there's reason for it. And then they backed it up with really cool points on all this different stuff that you're going to get to do and see and, and mess with in the game. So, very excited. The interesting thing, too, is like for me, I'm... I think the story will be good, but I'm more excited about the role-playing aspect of the game and having yep. my own personal experience as opposed yep. to, like, the the narrative, right? So Obviously, there's Mass Effect, but uh, I think we can all agree as seasoned gamers that role-playing games, uh, because of the uh, natural evolution out of Dungeons & Dragons tabletop role-playing, a lot of role-playing video games tend to lean more on the fan- fantasy side as opposed to sci-fi. Yeah. So it's it's really great that we're getting such a deep RPG from a deep RPG developer that's already done the fantasy stuff and now they're doing hard sci-fi. I really like that. And we're getting two within a year. We're getting Outer Worlds, which I hope is really yep. good from Obsidian, yep. and then we're getting uh, Cyberpunk, which is going to be dope. Yep. Um, my third one. So like you said, Keanu Reeves, uh, Cyberpunk was on my list too. I already covered Animal Crossing, so I got three left. Um, this one is not going to directly affect me in terms of the game because I don't think I'll play it anymore. But Banjo, getting, uh, Banjo-Kazooie getting revealed, Banjo and Kazooie getting revealed for Smash, I thought was really cool. Um, it's Interesting. The, so, it's on your list, but you don't think you're going to end up playing it. Yeah, uh, the reason it was cause the reason it was a favorite of mine is because it was something that was rumored for so long and people wanted for so long. And the way it was revealed, we at the beginning we got the Dragon Quest uh, guy revealed, and people were like, oh, that's the Smash character reveal. He's going to be the next people one. People were... Journalists were typing up their articles about how disappointed they were that we only the, the DLC character was just the Dragon Quest guy, right? People were yeah. just ready for it, it let down, and then you're right. It's not that it's not cool that he's in it. It's just that he was expected, right? There was no, like, surprise. Um, but Banjo, man. Banjo came out of nowhere. They played on the trailer that revealed uh, King K. Rule when he was announced for Smash Ultimate. Um and it's the only partnership between Microsoft and Nintendo we saw this E3. People thought we were going to see Nintendo on E3 stage. There was rumors, I don't know if you guys saw these, 20 minutes before the Microsoft briefing that uh, Miyamoto was going to be on stage with Phil Spencer at some point during the conference. There was like large rumors about that and then they didn't come to fruition. Um, I just like this because this gives a chance for Rare Replay to come to the Nintendo Switch. And as somebody who loves Rare but moved to Xbox, I've had no issue with getting to play their games, right? I know there's tons of Nintendo fans who are 
hardcore Nintendo only buy Nintendo things and they've wanted to get back to playing those rare games that they grew up playing when they were a kid so this move right. of Banjo being in Smash is mm-hmm. great for all of those people and this opens up the door for I don't know if Master Chief really fits but like Conquer would be a cool addition to Smash or like these more cartoony characters so so Jared interesting point I know you're not uh, you haven't followed Colin Moriarty uh, on his newer endeavors but he was talking about how he had uh, he had it on pretty good authority several years ago that there were talks about Master Chief Collection on PlayStation. Um, I, I could believe that. The several years ago part, yes. I think two... Yeah, I definitely <laughs> don't think anytime soon anytime yeah. in the last couple of years, but I was just like, whoa, what the fuck is... I think he's pretty... Uh, solid about not just blabbing about sources types of stuff uh but uh that didn't make any sense stuff from his sources <laughs> yeah but um I, and i would definitely you know he obviously has reliable sources as long as he's been in the industry so i was just really surprised about that and the surprising thing is so we we've talked about before on the podcast how satya nadella the ceo at microsoft he has a really good relationship with phil spencer apparently like he has a really good relationship with Phil Spencer. Like he trusts them wholeheartedly oh. in in Xbox, and like he believes in what Phil wants to do with the brand. And Going out extra hard, huh? And there was there was people who have talked about that Xbox was likely headed in a different direction in terms of fully devoting themselves to service based stuff without worrying about the like their own console and stuff like that, right? And it mm-hmm. seems like Phil was the one that was like, well, yes, let's pursue all of this service-based stuff, but let's still have our own home for people, right? And he thought that was very important. So that's why we see him in this middle space of they want to push their services. They don't care if you play their games on phone, PC, or Xbox, but he made it a point that he wants to have an Xbox console in people's homes. Um, so it was very interesting. I, 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 to your point, I don't think that – I think that was probably like – I think Colin's pretty solid on that. I wouldn't deny that if it was yeah. you know several it years ago. The only reason I would ever suspect it is just because it's so fucking wacky to think about. Yeah, especially would, if it was I like during the Wii U era. <laughs> well, know? like like you know, now that we've gone through all this Nintendo stuff, it's easy to say. But as far as Microsoft goes, I could see them going with Nintendo way before PlayStation. Yeah. So the fact that – that may not have been the case. It's weird. Um, that was it for me for Banjo. I doubt either of you had that on your list. So uh, nah. what's your what's your next one, Jordan? We already covered Cyberpunk and we covered Avengers, right? So you have three more. Correct, correct. Cool. So um, I would like to shout out Final Fantasy VII Remake. Not Wowie. on my list, but with there with you. I, I, it was really impressive. Wow. I was surprised. Now, this is what this is the type of presentation that they should have done for Avengers. Agreed. They should have just done the exact same thing twice, but with two different games, and you wouldn't have even... Like, the format would not have mattered, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we could have com- just turned off the rest of the conference, too. <laughs> well, he meant not back-to-back. I wish it was I back-to-back know, yeah. down, but I yeah, he just was really into the Square Enix stuff. I know I'm probably a lot more into the Japanese side of stuff than you are, Dom, but... Uh, so I can see how someone that isn't uh, would not necessarily be interested in that conference, but with it being like anime thing after anime thing, I was just like, <laughs> the weebs were cool, riding dude. high. This yeah. is pretty fucking cool, dude. So, um, yeah, 
Final Fantasy VII. Um, it's really interesting because I've uh, obviously been playing it, talked a little bit about it. Uh, started on PS4 and then waited until the Switch version came out. And have now uh, progressed past the exit of Midgar. So all of the stuff that they're showing, I'm familiar with. I've seen everything um, that this first game is going to have to offer. Uh, which makes me think, like, what if I played, like, a chunk of Final Fantasy every three years, Final Fantasy Seven, like, instead of just playing the game outright before the first one comes out? Remember we talked about how I'm going to play it before this one comes out, the old one? Yeah. This is great because yeah. this means I only have to play till the end of, of Midgar, which, from what people say, is, like, five to seven hours, give or take. Yeah, I am definitely under six. You'll you'll finish under six, okay. Jared, for sure. I'm looking at my play clock. So, um, yeah, it is uh, such a fantastic remake. And I can at least say that the characters that they're showing in this section of the remake, or this part, part one, I am familiar with and do have an attachment to. I'm not going to try to act like I'm you know, the biggest Final Fantasy VII fan in the world, but it is interesting to see the ways in which they're expanding upon what was already there in the main game. Like the uh, other members of the uh, of the cell that uh, Cloud and Barrett are in um, are actually characters, as opposed to just having one or two lines and barely being there at all throughout the game. Even you know, not that far in as I am, six hours. They've been long gone for a while. So um, stuff like that, and then the city itself, um, and then the sequences that they showed themselves have all been expanded upon in a really cool way, in a way that is uh, both faithful to the original and um, new and fresh and creative at the same time. Um, so the everyone was commenting on how the boss battle that they showed at the end of the uh, reactor that you're blowing up, it's like... A super short battle it's kind of dinky uh, boss battle in the game it's your first boss battle and it's, um, some first boss battles in JRPGs are really punishing but this one certainly isn't and so when they're spending 10-15 minutes on this battle during the demo um, uh, maybe not 10-15 minutes but um, I think they actually skipped over parts in the demo but um, it's just shows to show like what they're trying to do with this and I do think that they are justifying uh, you know, expanding this and breaking it into parts. At first, before this presentation, I was like, yeah, no idea why you would need to break this into parts because they hadn't mentioned that they were expanding upon it, or at least to the extent that they would be. And so now with all that being said, I'm much more comfortable with it and I'm much more satisfied. Um, then you get into the actual combat, which is obviously very important to me, as you know, well know. It is, to me, it seems like the absolute perfect balance for a remake. Because you have the more uh, Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy XV style um, action RPG combat. And then you have like the tactical version, which is much closer to a 3D rendering of the turn-based combat from the original. And... I just don't. I think it's absolutely genius the way that they did it, and I don't. Th I don't know that you could ask for a better melding of, of the two um, without just going one way or the other. So, 
Um, that certainly looked great, that aspect. The visuals have been improved and they've um, tightened up some of the characters. Obviously we saw Tifa for the first time, that was awesome. Um, so uh, Uematsu is coming back for the music, coming out of retirement. And it's weird how I'm already recognizing musical themes uh, in the trailer from the first few hours of the game and how they're uh, kind of mixing and mashing those. So um, I thought the format of the presentation was very well done as opposed to the Avengers, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just so they just nailed it, man, with this Final Fantasy VII stuff and got me so damn excited for that game. The great thing is at the end of the next fiscal year, Square Enix's numbers are going to be great thanks to Avengers yeah. and, and Final Fantasy VII Remake because both those yeah, games yeah. are going to sell like bonkers. Um, and just like thinking about them having those two properties and like showing them off at a single press conference, it was like, that's fucking awesome. Like for you guys got to be really excited, you know. Well, and that's I think that's where they could get away with the middle part that was completely hit or miss with people, right? Like right. the use of the world and the like me and Dom's of the world. It's like either it was like the worst middle of a conference ever or it was like really enjoyable throughout. There yeah. were plenty of slow parts throughout that and random shit that I was like, why the fuck are we talking about this? But when they're remastering random JRPGs, I'm like, fuck yes, dude. Give me that Final Fantasy Eight on the Switch. Give me that, you know, Last Remnant remaster. All that shit. I'm about it. So. I did like the presentation, too, with the paintings because it leaves mystery, yeah. right? I'm, I'm, I like mystery. Yeah. So it's like, oh, what is this painting? Uh Dom, I didn't have Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, what's your next one on your list? Elden Ring. Woo! Now, what they showed at the Microsoft conference, really not much at all to it, and we already knew that this was a thing. We knew what it was called. We knew George R. R. Martin was consulting on it. So the actual trailer, you know... Some weird abstract. Didn't we typical think it was a great rune? Typical. We thought, yeah, it was a project, uh, not project, but it was known as Great Rune. Great Rune. And that's a prediction it I got like, right. I was like, it wouldn't be named Great Rune in a yeah. podcast. But yeah. it was like two days, two or three days before, like Schreier confirmed, like, yeah, it's called Elden Ring. Well, he didn't confirm. Uh, their back, Bandai Namco's back into their website uh, was yeah. posted onto, onto Reset Era. They basically oh, right, posted right, right. everything on the back end where and anybody could look at it, and that's where Tales of Arise got leaked, uh, Elden Ring, right, and okay. what was right. the third title? It doesn't matter. He must have just tweeted that, and that's why I thought it was him. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not surprising. It's Jason Schreier. Uh, but, man, um, knowing that information took the wind out of the sails, and that's why it's not on my list. Obviously, it's one of my most anticipated games, but... Like, imagine not knowing any of that and watching the trailer and it's like, Miyazaki, and, and you're like, and who? Who, who the hell cares? It's Miyazaki. Well, but you would have already George known R. because of George R. R. Martin's blog post. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's like, what I'm saying. Just this nothing. thing got leaked from so many angles. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no way you were going into this Unfortunately, Like, who the fuck, wh who the fuck was surprised when that second name popped up and it's George R. R. Martin, you know? And, so it's just like... Yeah, exactly. Uh, that kind of sucks because that kind of is the the big... That's the wind in the sails of the trailer. Other than that, it's it's pretty sparse. Well, yeah, From's uh, trailers are always, like, abstract. Remember the Game Awards reveal for uh, Sekiro? We didn't know anything. We just saw this weird, like, mechanical thing, and it's the next From game. We didn't even know it was Sekiro was based on, you know, Shinobi or Samurai or anything. Everybody thought it was anything. Tenchu. Right. 
Exactly. There, there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get that. You literally just get an arm flexing, and then sometimes you get Bloodborne, where it's the opening cinematic, and it's you know the hunter walking through the streets of Yarnum and and slaughtering these monsters, which is very uh, representative of the game. So, I would want a little bit more from a trailer. Um, even a CG trailer, because it's just, I mean, other than a guy, like, clamping an arm onto his shoulder, it's, like, just a person, like, hammering a weapon or a ring well, or whatever, you know, just a yeah. forger. I think the trailer was just based on people getting surprised by George R. R. Martin, you know, and exactly. that's the unfortunate thing, because once we knew about that, then the trailer's like, bleh. Anyways, yeah, uh, but, so despite all that wind out of the sails... Like, I'm with you guys 100% on, like, that. The actual trailer was kind of like, okay, yep. But it was just confirming what we knew. But what yeah. actually got me the most hyped are the, are the details that came out in some of the interviews with Miyazaki afterwards, like, the following day and stuff about how it's even more of an RPG than Dark Souls. Like, they're turning back the other direction. Or with Bloodborne and Sekiro, they started to make it more action-focused and faster. But this is now them steering the other way, um, which has me really excited in that it's a larger open world. Um, and then, obviously... Um, our our friend George R R Martin. That so, interview uh, with Xbox was great. The one where I tweeted out all the little tidbits. It's fantastic. Yeah. That was the stuff that, like for me, that spoke to me. Like that just got me, you know, in a, in a tizzy. Just like, oh yes, let's do it. Um, even though obviously that's not like great E three moment type shit for the the masses, obviously. But I was so, like, yes, let's go. Yeah, I know that. Uh... Sorry, Sekiro was uh, published by Activision, and people think that's why it was a little more open, a uh, little less open to interpretation, a little more direct. Had the cutscenes, had the through line of the story that is a little less direct in other From games. Is that. Have we turned a corner with From games, do you guys think? Like, are we getting any more obscure. You, you got to look up the lore online just to understand it type games? They, or are, uh, we, are they so, going to have cutscenes from now on? So Miyazaki meant, talked about that too. And it, from what I could figure out from his interview or whatever, Elden Ring is going to go back more towards the Dark Souls type of storytelling. Okay. Um, Even uh, from the trailer, it seemed that way. Yeah, you know? right. Um, um, oddly enough, I don't even know how I'm saying that. But um, I will just say... If you're showing me what From was able to do uh, with a Victorian cosmic horror vibe and Bloodborne, and now you're telling me that these motherfuckers, after doing a samurai game, are going to do uh, uh, Celtic lore featuring George R.R. Martin behind some of that stuff, holy fucking shit. The combat stuff that you mentioned, Dom, sounds awesome. But I am so bonkers excited for the lore of this game because Celtic oh, yeah. lore Definitely. is fucking cool. We got we finally finally got some of the Viking lore, the Norse mythology that I've been craving for so long, and so now to see hopefully Celtic lore coming around uh, into the limelight and in such an exciting uh, situation, such exciting circumstances. Wow, I could not. I'm over the fucking moon for that shit. I'm ready. That's yeah, cool. um, I want it to be next year, but like with the stack of everything coming out, I don't know if maybe 
waits a while. Who knows? It's oh, been it's next year. I'll bet it, a paycheck on it. It's got well, yeah. Well, I mean, they produce games way too quick for it not to be. Yeah, I guess not the same time frame that we're used to. Like, I could see this not coming out at the traditional like March time frame. Yeah, and maybe coming out towards yeah, summer. Well, let's see. Sekiro was just earlier this year. But it's obviously, I mean, they've been... It's confirmed to be three years in development, so it's been in the works for a while. Yeah, they've they've done back year, year-to-year year games for a while, so... We've gone quite a bit on the other ones, so I'm going to go through my last two pretty quickly so we can move on to the other stuff. Obviously, you guys have years left, too. Um, so, my last two. One, the Halo Infinite trailer. Uh, hmm. I really liked it. Uh, the tough thing with Halo is it's a franchise that's so big... That people got to the point where they stopped caring about it because it's like, oh, it's a dude in the green suit that shoots stuff. And I think yeah. the you have to humanize it in order to reintroduce it to people who aren't already sold on Halo. And I thought that that trailer was very good at humanizing the world. Obviously, you follow this one specific guy uh, missing his family away from home. I love the reveal of Master Chief floating in space. I thought that was really well done, especially with the piano key in. And then right. the second reveal of him being like, Master Chief, we lost. And then Master Chief walking up to the front of the ship and opening the door and seeing that the Halo is yeah. completely devastated. Um, Some cool stuff going on there, man. What a, Halo. I like that they uh, accentuated how fucking giant a Spartan is next to a normal-sized man. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's always cool that, yeah. Oh, just the subtleness of him, like, when he brings him into the ship and he drops down and gravity hits him. He's yeah. like... <clears throat> yeah, great. Yeah. Um, the other one... Wasn't a game, though. I think Ghostwire looks cool. I love Shinji Ooh. Mikami, obviously famous uh, director of the Resident Evil series as well as Dino Crisis. Him passing the proverbial torch to Ikumi Nakamura, who was the director of Ghostwire, that came out on stage and stole everyone's hearts with her presentation and her very authentic personality. And Dude, I was watching that like, holy crap, the weebs are going hard. Right? right now. Like, yeah. You could just, like, she's doing things that anime characters do, and you've already had this conference of, like, these weird Fallout fans that are all in cosplay just constantly screaming for every single thing that happens, and I'm just like, oh my god, the otakus are just balls to the wall right now. It's just great because, obviously, Mikami's well-respected for everything he's done with Resident Evil Dino Crisis, uh, Evil Within most recently, and... I do think he. They've, there's been interviews of him talking about he wanted to do Tango Gameworks, the studio, because he wanted to usher in a new era of Japanese developers people can fall in love with and they can build that legacy that Mikami has and Kojima and all of these other developers. And Nakamura apparently was uh, has been an apprentice for him for a long time. She's done a lot of character design work. She's kind of been waiting in the wings. Really worked on Bayonetta? Yeah, exactly. Um, she, she's been in the wings and she's somebody that he sees a lot of confidence, uh, and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, potential potential. And yes. And obviously she stole the show. People loved her. Uh, the game, the CG trailer looked really cool. So I just thought it was a really cool moment. Anytime we see the passing of the torch like that, um, it, it was really cool. And obviously there's a whole side of it of, like, her being a female game director is really cool, but that's, like, yeah. a secondary thing to me. It's just, like, this very well-known designer, Mikami, handing it over to this new person, no matter who it was, man, woman, you know. It's just really cool. So, 
Anyways, that's it for me for my last two. Jordan, you want to hit us with your last couple of ones? So, um, I will do just that. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo, since you didn't necessarily talk about the game game, specifically, I'll just bridge onto that. Um, Wow, dude. First of all, Japan knows what's up with the trippy shit, am I right? Yes. When it comes to the trippy shit, (laughs) and obviously the horror shit, and then when you have this studio that's already known for, you know, Mikami himself is known for horror, but then they have two successful horror games under their belt in the Evil Within series, and then you're going to drop this trailer in my lap where it's trippy shit, it's scary shit, it's Japanese shit, and it's like just going so fucking hard on all of those points like it did not hold back on like freaking you out it did not hold back on like oh we don't want to get too trippy too far out here like it went there right which i've been talking a lot about recently just fucking go there if you're gonna go there um so obviously we didn't get any gameplay here um which is unfortunate we talked about that being kind of a unfortunate trend of the show but um I do have confidence in this studio, and I am so excited to see what comes out of this game because um, I didn't even mention the fact that it's got like the whole like leftovers vibe with people just disappearing Thanos snap style. So um, a lot of cool stuff going, a lot of cool ideas going into this game. And um, if you want uh, true, truly creative ideas in your entertainment, I would say that uh, Japan is a good place to look. And it looks like um, they're doing it once again with this one. So a lot, of, a lot of different stuff that that combined in this trailer to really get me excited for this game. I love the scene transitions, though. The formal edits, oh, those are so good. The way that they're editing in between cuts and uh, wow, man, just a lot of really cool visuals in this uh, reveal trailer here for Ghostwire Tokyo. Was so. was that your last one? Or do you have one more by chance? Oh, yeah, just uh, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, here. That's a line I learned from, you guessed it, Jack X Combat Racing. <laughs> um, Astral Chain, gentlemen. Oh, okay. Oh, now, you like know this. that I love uh, dunking on uh, Platinum games and always will since they besmirched the name of my girl, Cora. But um, since then, I have finished Bayonetta 1 as you know and and really enjoyed that game and um, for, looking forward to Bayonetta 3 more news from that interesting that it wasn't at the show even though that's not my biggest disappointment but uh, it makes sense since they're doing Astral Chain which uh, really got me on this trailer now it was revealed was it a direct earlier in the year Jared? in February yeah yeah so that trailer I was like it did not get me. It just wasn't all there for me. It just wasn't. Um, they weren't. There weren't any hooks. I felt like it wasn't that it wasn't hooking me. I was like, I just don't know that this could hook almost anybody um, because it, that first trailer just didn't have enough substance to me. And this trailer that we just saw for E3 this uh, um, this time was way way better it had a lot more hooks i think it had a lot more um it gave a lot better explanation of what you're going to be looking at with this game 
and uh, it was a much better introduction to you know what Astral Chain is I think it's almost like I don't even need the first trailer if I could just erase that out of my mind then I'd only be hyped for Astral Chain from the get-go but uh, yeah this was a lot more uh, explanatory in a good way um, so yeah I think you know it's what, what can you say it's it's a platinum game so it's not like I was all that surprised um, with their action RPG or not even action RPG just more action game focus did you uh, but, hear about why some people are I think worried the story uh, did I hear so has actually nothing to do with how the game showed people are worried because this game comes out August 30th and yes. though we didn't see Gears 5 gameplay in the the briefing people could play it right there was like the escape yes. thing that people could play there was no gameplay there was no gameplay demo at E3 for Astral Chain at all that is a little worrying. It was weird. Uh, the guys from Easy Allies, speaking about them, uh, Damiani and a couple of the other guys were talking about it, and they're like, it's weird because like, we're excited for this game. It showed well, like you said, but there was literally right. no gameplay demo for it at all, behind closed yeah. doors or not, at E3, and it comes out on August 30th. Very weird. Yeah, I do remember that now that you mention it. It's certainly not a great uh, note, and I will also say... Um, kind of like I was talking to you guys before the show like I just have so many games to play on a plethora of consoles at this point and so there's <laughs> just there's just not a whole lot of reason for me to run out and buy a bunch of brand new games and even games that I want I can wait on and buy them cheaper a month later or whatever so Astral Chain is certainly one of those <laughs> situations where I'm you know definitely not planning on playing that at you know 11 o'clock at 11 times Central time on the uh, Thursday. The that, uh, the meme, Jordan. Years. Every time Platinum Games releases a, a game, the gods flip a coin. Exactly. <laughs> dude, like, like we, uh, what would have been their last one? Uh, tra- Travis, no more heroes. Travis strikes again. Or was there something after that? Right. There was a. That would have been them, wouldn't it? Maybe. Which you know. That wasn't necessarily a big hit, so maybe we are due for a good one. But We're... then that would mean Bayonetta three. <laughs> if it's, I guess it's not uh, one or the other every time, but still, it is a toss up sometimes. If Bayonetta or not Bayonetta, if Platinum is gonna uh, turn out a good game or just uh, um, not, then most of them aren't stinkers like Korra. Most of them are like these really like. Um, mediocre ones mediocre know, experiments yeah right but then again um fucking here's one i was surprised we didn't hear about uh sequel to what the fuck is the game called uh vanquish no it's about the androids detroit become detroit? human no it's platinum game about androids I good luck. <laughs> I'm not the person to ask. You'll it'll probably come to you. Uh, uh it's near. Near oh near automata yeah, Elon Musk shout out to be or not to be. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, surprised we didn't see uh more from near automata sequel, but Bayonetta three near automata sequel. It's like they've got a lot of projects going at any given time. So yeah, they're just focusing on. The game that's coming out the soonest, actual chain. What are your last... How many do you have left, Dom? Two? So, yeah, two, but 
they're also a part of my most excited for like 2019. So I guess that's a good transition into that category. Well, we're going to be doing the one thing we wish was there, and then we'll hop to okay. most anticipated. But you can still talk about it real quick. So uh, next two things, uh, Link's Awakening. Obviously, I'm surprised that uh, it hasn't come up yet. Um, this is uh, – the original is actually, I want to say, my least favorite of the 2D Zeldas. Maybe. That might be wrong. Definitely Oracle of Seasons and Ages are by far the best 2D Zeldas. Um, but Link's Awakening was a game that I had on, you know, the Whoa. original Game Boy when I was a kid. So I'm ex- I'm just I'm still super excited for this um, and that art style though it just it gets to me and I'm all about it. I'm what just about ready to play it again, even if it costs more than I think it should. <coughs> what about a Link to the Past on the on the SNES or a Link Between Worlds? My favorite 2D Zelda. Yeah, see, those are both better than Link's Awakening. See, but a link to the past that that sixteen uh, bit jump that they made, and Link looks weird. He's got like pink pink hair. It's pink hair or pink hat or what. Mm-hmm. But other yeah. than that, that game is the one that I'm like, oh, this is the two D Zelda that I really want to fuck with. It looks so cool. They're holding that. Yeah. That's going to be the next big remake. Dude. See, that's <laughs> what I'm th- saying. Is like. As much as people talk about that game, I was surprised, you know, because Link's Awakening, Link to the Past are kind of hard to keep up, especially if you haven't played them. So um, I was kind of like, is that what this is? But it's this is uh, the Game Boy, not Game Boy Color, but just Game Boy game, right? Straight up. There were two versions, so it was originally just Game Boy. They did um, color it, yeah. And then they kind of remade it. I don't know, like five years later with a couple more colors in there. Still not very colorful, but uh, better than and the And they've got Chain Chomps and Mario shit in there because they Goombas. were using the sprites, I found out. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they you know, narratively justify it, I guess. But uh, ultimately, I think it's a little bit of like, well, just throw these same assets in there. Yeah. Do you guys know that... The, don't the say the twist. twist no. The no. Okay, you don't. All right, no. that's what I thought. Uh, do I know the twist? I did just watch a Zelda timeline video on YouTube. And... Well, I just want to spoil it for people, too, because a bunch yeah. of people, it's going to be a new game for them. So I don't even want to risk spoiling for people who are listening. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah oh, yeah, I remember the twist. It's fucking wild, bro. It's cool. The only negative about this game is it's 60 bucks. It's literally the only negative I've heard, which is unfortunate, but... But, but at the same time, I'm buying it, so it's like I can sit here and say it costs too much, but at the end of the day, I'm wrong because I'm fucking buying it. <laughs> so clearly, it doesn't cost too much. Well, it's not right. that it costs too much; it's that it's expensive. Yeah, it's also a, a Nintendo game, which people like justify in their minds that it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more justifiable for people for some reason. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, it's what, weird. I will say that's weird. It kind of sets a weird precedent for Nintendo because it's like. Almost saying, like you kind of need to say that our this games is not... are better. Well, no, it's yeah, like yeah, you yeah, want to say <laughs> you want to. If I'm them, I would want to set the precedent of like this isn't Breath of the Wild. You know, this is forty dollars because Breath of the Wild is the like crazy shit that you're gonna pay sixty for. You know, but they're Nintendo; they can get sixty for both. So why the fuck not? I guess. But then the counter argument to that is like the next time they're like if they were to do. Uh, Link to the Past remake, right? They'd be like, "Well, we want to charge sixty for that, but then we charge forty for Awakening." So it's like, let's just keep everything at sixty because people will buy it. <laughs> to George, uh, to Dom's point. Yeah. So, yeah. what's your other thing, Dom? Uh, last is Outer Worlds. Easy, easy last pick here. Um, this is the New Vegas sequel that I've been wanting. 
And no, Fallout 4 was not that. That game trimmed down the RPG elements that made New Vegas and 3 so good, especially New Vegas. Um, but Obsidian seems to be going back in that direction, you know, in a sci-fi, futuristic kind of setting with different planets and that kind of thing. So I'm ready for this. And then to top that off, to top it all off, um, I'm pumped that we talked about this in our predictions that this game's going to be on Game Pass at launch. Day one, is, yep. Which is outstanding. Crazy. Like We speculated, like, wow, it's still being published by not Microsoft. I forget what they're called, right? Even though Microsoft owns the studio Same. now, uh, Private Division is publishing the game. That's what they're called. Nice. So I, I was sure, like, I doubt it's going to be on Game Pass, at least not at launch, just because uh, it's not Microsoft published. But, hey, it's there, and I'm pumped. So now it's only going to cost me 10 bucks to play this boy. My So I have a quick question. I hate to go backwards. Are we only going to get remakes of 2D Zeldas now, or are we going to get... I know this cadence a high roll, but are we going to get regular 2D Zelda games? Yeah, the next one will be regular. I don't think they'll release nope. two remakes in a row. So you do think we're going to get, like... Uh, like a brand new 2D Zelda that isn't, you know, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Okay. Me too. I agree. Okay. Yeah, because it's been a big question. Yeah, I think be with Link's Awakening coming out, I think they in their cadence of scheduling cadence, huh? um, <laughs> they want to have a 2D Zelda probably come out in between the major 3D Zelda games, and I don't think Nintendo wants to remake because then you quickly will run out of them and it doesn't feel as special. So I think the next yeah. time it's on their schedule, quote unquote, for like a 2D Zelda to come out, it'll be a new idea. The funny thing is with uh, Breath of the Wild sequel, which I don't think any of us had listed, obviously. Um, yeah. They said that they had too many ideas for DLC, and that's why they were working on a sequel. And it's actually a lot of the younger developers on Nintendo staff that are working on it. On top of the fact that this this point got me excited, but some people were wagging a stinky, cynical finger. A lot of them are actually really into Red Dead Redemption 2, and that will inspire a lot of what happens in the Breath of the Wild sequel. So, yeah, I am excited for that, even though I didn't mention it. Also, they're making a musical Zelda game, and they're calling it Cadence of Hyrule. I just like the word cadence in a musical game's title. I, re- I appreciate, it. I appreciate uh, it. Real quick, my hot take on Outer Worlds. Playing it day one. Can't wait. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of my game of the year candidates. Hot take. I, my hot take is I don't think they've done a very good job of marketing that game through trailers and stuff. Personally. Yeah. I just uh, don't think... It. Yeah. it speaks to me. Well, no, I just don't think they're <laughs> selling what's good about the game. They're like, oh, it's so, wacky and all this wacky stuff. And it's like, it's not selling that the narrative actually is changed by your character. It's being like, you can be an asshole or be a good guy. It doesn't really explain how that commu- how that translates to the actual story of the game. Like, I, I, don't, so I just don't think if they do a very you. good job. But I'm I like 100% that. sold. I can't wait to play it. One of the reasons, you guys want to know one of the reasons I don't love single player or uh, obviously, I love single player, uh, first person games. <clears throat> it's because it's a cop out for cutscenes, and that's the outer worlds. That's how the Fallout games do it. It's like there are no cutscenes. There's a whole story, but there's no cutscenes. It's just you walking up to a person mm-hmm. and then centering themselves in the fucking camera, looking <laughs> directly at it, and then you choose dialogue options. I'm like, this could not be a less uh, less frills um, pres- presentation here. It's like there's no frills whatsoever. It's just the person just like the go- standing there all awkward. To like, your point, though, the good thing with Cyberpunk wrong, is it looks like it. the cutscenes in that are going to shift to third person. Right. So right. that's good for now you. That, see, that's the thing. If you're a Wolfenstein, if you're a, a Cyberpunk, Stein. and you're going to be first person, 
I can handle it if you at least give me actual directed cutscenes with a camera, right? Yeah. But yeah, when you pull this bullshit where it's like, you are the camera, you get to direct the cutscene yourself. I'm like, fuck that. Well, shit. I mean, the, the thing, like the thing with uh, Bethesda games and Obsidian is it's not even you get to select. Most of the time, it does like the weird like shift focus onto the characters they're talking, like the camera right. moves and yeah. locks in a place. And I noticed that they have this. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, why did you bring that part over from Fallout? That's not one of the good parts from Fallout. I, I think it's just they have a quick development cycle and it's like it's we already kind of know how to do that yeah yeah um we're running a little bit longer than expected so let's not spend too much time on these last things but i still want to cover them because uh we obviously brought him to present so real quick the thing i wish was there uh splinter cell now it's not that splinter cell didn't show up it's not like oh it didn't show up that's unfortunate it didn't show up and they showed Sam Fisher in a new mobile game yeah, from Ubisoft. Yeah. And they did a sequel to Rainbow Six. Or uh, yeah, maybe like a companion game almost. Yeah, with a really bad trailer. Um, just didn't show much. And it was like, yeah. yeah. Um, it was th- that so, thing, right? So it's like they showed off a new Tom Clancy game that wasn't Splinter Cell. Then they showed Sam Fisher in a mobile game. And you're like, oh, yeah. they, of course. Why would they? Tom Clancy's Elite Squad or whatever. Yeah, and they're like, they wouldn't show this without showing the new Splinter Cell, would they? And they did. Yep. So that's what. Well, remember, I keep remembering back to at the end of last year when you're waiting for them to do the one more thing, but instead it's just Eve walking out on stage. But in between that time, the whole thing turned green. Yeah. And so it's like you're waiting, like it's in between these sections and you're like, oh, the stage just turned green. And you're waiting for the of Sam Fisher's fucking goggles. And it's just Eve walking out on stage and all the developers, you know, doing their Saturday Night Live holy hand thing. So it's like they just keep like really fucking teasing you in these like really random, non-direct ways. And that's just fucking obnoxious man and then you got assholes fucking tweeting out of sonoma valley in a <laughs> wine party about how they're fucking working on it when they're not michael michael said isn't getting any younger yeah that's fucking bullshit dude and like you think it's just because they have too many shooters i think that's what it is i dude. think that i think it got to the point where they were like we're gonna push it to the side because it doesn't sell particularly well and then by the time they actually greenlit it and put it into development it was like oh next gen's soon let's just hold off until next gen because what's the point maybe um r- so i'm gonna maybe. go through my most anticipated real quick and then you guys can do your what you missed the most anticipated so we can get out of here uh, my honorable mention real quick is super mario maker 2 i was going to add it to the list but it comes out in a couple of days actually by the time this posts yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, i already have it pre-ordered got the 70 dollars version so i can have that online for when animal crossing comes out and pokemon it just it was a good deal right spend Stealing 10 extra bucks deals. um now my top five most anticipated there so i don't have call of duty modern warfare for the simple fact that they didn't show off any gameplay i'm excited for that game but like i can't be excited if there's no gameplay and that game comes sure. out soon, too. Number five, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It was higher on my list. It yeah, fell maybe. down because we saw a lot more exciting things from the other games at E3. But I'm still really pumped about it. John Berthold came on stage. Shout out to Don for getting yeah, roasted for something that was actually correct. <laughs> um, With a dog. Yeah. Just, I lo- bam, bam. I, I thought the monologue went a little long, but I, I could hear John Berthold talk about war and the military and all that stuff forever. I just love him. Um, number four, Control. 
I loved Quantum Break. Yeah, I can't wait for Control. Bummed about yeah. the PlayStation exclusive stuff, but um, still excited for what it nonetheless. It content or what? Yeah, it's it's the first DLC episode comes out on PlayStation first, but still excited oh, for the game. Okay. That's just dumb. Um, Remedy's games don't sell particularly well, so I understand, right? Getting some extra cash yeah. because. Um, but I think Control has a chance to sell really well for them if it's good, and I think at least it'll be a sev- swimming in sevens, but hopefully it's better than that. It's coming out at a good time, man. Um, next up, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, nice. This is more based yeah, on the baby. the pre-E3 Direct that they had specifically on the game. I thought during the actual Nintendo right. Direct, it was like, why, whatever, just showed the water gym. Um, super stoked. Obviously, the wild area looks dope. Um some of the Pokemon they revealed at, at uh, uh, during the treehouse, the little cor- electric corgi puppy is adorable, and uh, the little weird troll guy uh, is really cool as well. So, excited so for that. Jared, quick note on Pokemon, and I think that this started when we were kids playing it, but I think if you look at the adults that still play Pokemon, this is still true. I lean towards Pokemon that I think look cool. Yeah, I don't care so much about, like, how effective they are in battle. It's first, like, aesthetically, how cool do you look? But it seems like you're cool with cute Pokemon. I don't really fuck with cute Pokemon. Okay, gotcha. I want, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want my Pokemon to look, like, badass. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I think the cute, like, the cute ones, I'm like, oh, you're cute. And I'm not like, ugh, fuck you. But I'm just, like, I'm not going to battle with you, even if you're powerful. So I'm, I'm cool with first level cute Pokemon because sometimes they turn into like really intimidating final evolutions. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah final yeah. evolutions. I don't really mess with too many cute Pokemon. Um, like I never rocked with like Wigglytuff or, or a uh, Clefable right. or any of them. Um, right. I guess Pikachu. Well, Pikachu isn't the final evolution. I don't really like Raichu. I think it's an ugly design personally, but um, yeah, it's not necessarily an upgrade from Pikachu. Which it's so sucks, iconic, but... like yeah, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. Number two, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. This game, I thought Woo! the gameplay looked fantastic. Uh, everything we heard about it, man. The second trailer during the Xbox briefing, where it showed you climbing up the at at, uh, was yeah. really cool. I just, I'm really excited could for this you, game. Could you feel the difference between this and the uh, single player campaign? From Battlefront Two, so I like, I could I could tell yeah. the difference. I didn't play it, but yeah, from trailers, there clearly right. there's a budget behind it. There's a focus behind it. Like, um, the the one thing I will say to this game that got me even I, this was already number two on my list, no matter what. But the thing that like solidified it at number two was after E3, there was all of these journalists who were talking about how they were kind of disappointed that EA and Respawn didn't sell an aspect of the game that kind of got overlooked, and that this game is apparently a Metroidvania. Like, you're in your ship, and you can choose what specific planet to go to first, and you unlock abilities that when you get those abilities, they give you uh, the opportunity to go to secret areas you can no longer go to in specific planets. So you'll be traveling yeah. between planets, going back and forth, and unlocking new areas. That's really cool. It's yeah. like an added bonus. Can't wait. Who would have thought that the Star Wars game... We kind of talked about early in the year, like, Respawn has a track record. But you always have to worry, right? It's like, ooh, well, hopefully it pans out. And it did, and I'm excited, and I can't wait. Number one, though, Doom Eternal. Like, ooh, yeah. just good ooh. lord. Like, mm, so good. Um, Hugo Martin, who's a creative director, he's the chubbier... Uh, Hispanic guy that goes out on stage. He's such a blast. His personality is just so vibrant. Um, I love whenever he's able to talk about the game. 
Danny o, uh, Daniel Dwyer from Noclip was talking about how he ran into him at uh, E3, and they spent 25 minutes talking about From Software's combat in Sekiro. So he's a very big uh-huh. like gameplay guy, which shows because he's the creative director for one of the most iconic shooters, and it's one of the smoothest, fastest-paced, well crafted shooting games right the the reboot yeah. in 2016 just felt great so this is more yeah. of the same with some really wow crazy moments some cool new tools there's like traps you can activate uh they talked about in interviews how one of the problems with the first game is that you can get locked in a specific gun and kind of always want to use it um so they're kind of forcing your hand into wanting to try other stuff. They're not going to make it so you can't do that throughout the game of playing with one weapon, but they're kind of they're going to do some things like limiting some ammo to kind of have you try out some differing weapons. And they've added enemies to specifically nerf powerful things in the game. So the rocket launcher was pretty powerful in 2016. They specifically added a new demon that will spawn walls in front of the player. So if you're not paying attention, you can shoot a rocket right into a wall and kill yourself, which is really cool. So. I just think it looks really good. It's exactly what I expect and more. Um, shout out to Bethesda. Like Ghostwire and yeah. and uh, Deathloop have a, the possibility for those two yeah. studios to go into the next generation with games that might sell better than their previous franchises, right? And yeah. Wolfenstein Youngblood is like a $30 game that I can't wait to sink into as well. It's so close that it was hard for me to put it on this list. But yeah, Doom Eternal is number one for me can't wait to play it so for you guys let me know what you wish was there and your five most anticipated and then we'll call it a show Alrighty then great uh choices jared you might Mm -hmm. see them over on this list shout out to outer world as well Um, didn't mention it but it's up there yeah um biggest miss and i'm a little i'm i'm crestfallen is a word that i would like to use more often I am crestfallen that we did not see a new Bioshock this year, boys. Yeah, that's another one I think they might be waiting for next gen to show that bad boy off. Unfortunately. And that's... Ugh. We're still... we, You know, even without PlayStation there, I still had such an, uh, a great time uh, watching this year's E3, as I do. And... Uh, but it's not even about PlayStation not being there. It's about, like... You can feel the transition transition year, right? like yeah. You can, you can feel it's a like a sports rebuilding year. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of freshmen and sophomores. We're just not quite there yet, and that's how it feels. Um, so yeah, it was, it's sad, but yeah, we've mentioned multiple games on this podcast that Jared, you you backed it up with. I think that we will see. Maybe not at uh, E3 coming up, but we will be seeing these games um, within the next year or so. Splinter Cell, Bioshock, what have you. It's just that they are for next gen, and you don't want to you want to get people excited about the games that are still coming out before next gen. And the platform holders uh, want to have like a demo reel of why people should buy their next console, right? So it's like they're yeah, partnering yeah. with these third party publishers. Yeah. And man, when you think about it, like the games that have come out and that could use sequels or the studios that have had a game come out like that's probably why we didn't see rocksteady rocksteady's probably debuting on next gen you know and montreal and, yeah ubisoft or not ubisoft uh, wb montreal um so yeah it's it's perfectly it's entirely possible that uh 
that that's the case and that we're about to just get a rock and roll uh, melt your face off lineup for next gen which I really hope is the case so Xbox launching with Halo is cool for me because that's a game that I can't wait to play at launch. And since I have Game Pass, yeah. it's free. <laughs> it's like yeah. a double whammy. Oh, so awesome. You think that uh, Xbox Scarlet games are going to be uh, starting off on Games Pass too? Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. So a couple wow. of things. One, uh, Phil Spencer basically said that your entire Xbox library will be available day one. He kind of confirmed that during E3, which is dope. And the second thing is there's a big rumor going around now that they're no longer doing the three different consoles. They're focusing on one console. Um, Because remember, there was a rumor of, like, the streaming one and the big boy. Apparently, those were, like, early development plans and are no longer the case. Sorry. Go ahead. Interesting. No, you're good, man. Um, So, since we're doing five here and my list is very similar to yours, Jared, I'm just going to say... Shout out to Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Shout out to Pokemon Shield in particular. Oh, you're getting Although Shield. I will say, I'm getting huh? Sword, so we'll have different oh. ones. That's cool. I didn't know you were getting Shield. Yeah, I think I think we talked about this when it was unveiled. I just I don't um, think I was sure of which one I was getting. <laughs> I okay, know you yeah, were. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. See, yeah. that's the thing is, you know, I decided because I knew all the cool kids were gonna. Not that you're trying to be that. Yeah. Way, but, um, <laughs> That all the cool kids are going to be getting sword, right? And so I was like, you know what? I think it'll be cool to have shield. And usually I go with um, the first of the two. That doesn't even make sense, but it does. I know what you mean. <laughs> like sun and moon. I played sun, you know. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, I may have uh, muffed, rolled the dice and bet on the wrong horse here. Or wolf, if you will. Because I think the really the sword legendary is uh, the one Pokemon that they've unveiled that has uh, actually been like oh cool. Uh, it's Sif, yeah, it's Sif from Dark Souls, <laughs> or and from then, you know um, mythology. And then uh, the shield one, it's like it's almost there, and I could totally see that being cool of like a like a. Uh, almost like a breastplate on a wolf like coming off of his face but like they just didn't nail it it's over designed so, it's too complicated yeah, exactly yeah exactly and i think that as we've gone on with pokemon jared that's only become more of a problem you know well the reason uh, the reason the first two generations sorry to interject the reason the first two generations no, no, no. are more beloved and actually more memorable is because they are so simplistic in their design right iconic yeah, yeah. so it's weird because as the generations go on one thing that people don't think about is the naming of these Pokemon, they have Pokemon mm-hmm. Company has to come up with names that they can trademark, so yeah. it gets more difficult the more you add. So, and they're like around a thousand now, so that's <laughs> yes. <fucking> wild. <laughs> um, also, shout out to Control, which you said. Um, as you guys know, I'm big fan of Remedy after playing uh, um, Quantum Break. Huge fan of Quantum Break, as you know. It's a, it's a great superhero game. And uh, Control is uh, got some really similar vibes to the uh, not the Sprawl trilogy. The um, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one that Annihilation is from, and uh, has some very similar vibes to the Annihilation and its sequels uh, novels. So we'll see how that goes here uh, right after my birthday. So. Um, then you also said Jedi Fallen Order, Jared. Of course, I am 
very much into Star Wars and would like to see a good Star Wars video game. I'd like to see a good Star Wars anything at this point. Haha. <laughs> you um, like Solo though, right? Yeah, I think you were. No, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> there. I, I've enjoyed stuff from Disney. I do think that it has not gone over well generally, but uh, the comics especially, dude. I'm super into the all the Marvel comics cool. that have been coming. Not all of them, but um, plenty of them. So, um, yeah. Uh, but I will say, much happier vibes uh, for Fallen Order than for Battlefront 2's campaign, which I was very, uh, you know, I was really hopeful for. Um, didn't turn out so well. And then, um, so the other two that you didn't mention that I have here, uh, one being Borderlands 3, I'll just say, you know, I've, I've dabbled a little bit with the Handsome Jack collection, we'll see if I mess around with that much. I think I'm gonna stop trying to, like, play games in anticipation for others, like, you know, catch up on a game series or whatever. Um, if I want to do the previous ones, then I'll do it, but I'm not, like, trying to hit the release date of the game, and then if not... I may be a little more relaxed on chronology and, and how I approach that. Uh, side note there. But anyways, um, with Borderlands 3, I think that I'm just going to have a good time with it, man. And uh, may not get a day one. I might. But it's just a game to uh, have some fun shooting shit. And it's, you know, perfect kind of podcast game or throw some anime on in the background, whatever. So... Um, that is going to be a game that I don't take too seriously, which uh, you shouldn't because it's a very goofy game. And then finally, uh, I'm going to consider it an E3 game, Death Stranding. I know it technically wasn't fair. at the show, but we got that well, it's we most got anticipated, that so it counts. It's not, they didn't have to be E3 games necessarily. Yeah, I guess we're talking about most anticipated of 2019, so I ain't, yeah. I ain't even got to justify shit to you. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's okay. So we saw that trailer, right? And I gotta say, the combat was looking a little bit rough. Did it look rough to you guys? I thought yeah. the combat and the shooting were like the worst parts of it. I thought the world and like the weirdness and the kojiminess was great. I thought like and the it's... actual gameplay was like meh. But... Yeah, it's weird because obviously up until this point they focused so much on story and world, right, Jared? But then. This trailer has just got quick flashes like, oh, we're given the release day, we're trying to get people pre-ordering, I guess we gotta show them some type of shit other than, you know, Norman Reedus walking up a fucking hill and pulling his toenails <laughs> off, so, um, that's what they did here, but they were very quick flashes, you didn't get much, and it didn't look great when you did, so, um, that part I am worried about, but I am so encapsul- in- encapsulated, in encaptured in... In engorged, I don't, I don't know. Gross. I am so, <laughs> I am so uh, engrossed. Is the word I was looking for, Jared? Engrossed um, by the uh, the lower world story, whatever you want to call it, that they have set up. Um, the kind of short film trailers that they've done up until now have had some really cool stuff, and obviously, you guys know I'm super into like sci-fi and if it's getting far out i'm even more into it so uh multi-dimensional beings that are stepping through uh, multiple planes of reality and you have you know doomsday events happening you have cthulhu looking type monsters uh beaming in 
Um, and you got these babies and tubes. I don't know, man. It's just cool. <laughs> and then you got like the the cast additions have been uh, really great. Uh, in this latest trailer, they showed that um, Mama is going to be played by uh, I can't remember her name, but she is. Uh, I know her from The Leftovers. Um, so each time that they've added a cast member, I've been like, yeah, dude, that's cool. Um, I'm down with that person. And yeah, there's certainly, you know, famous people in this, Norman Reedus being one of them, but that does not seem to be the focus. You know, Mads Mikkelsen isn't in this game because he's famous. It's because Kojima fucking loves his acting and has a character uh, ready for him. Now, I will say the two directors that are in this are apparently not voiced by themselves, Jared. Yeah, it's confirmed. Guillermo del Toro so and the other what guy. what the fuck? Why, why do you have Guillermo del Toro and uh, Nicholas Winding Refn in this movie, or in this game, I'm sorry, they're directors of movies, uh, if you're not going to do the whole them voicing themselves thing? Like, you have the whole... Because they're doing Kojima a favor, but they don't have capture. the time to do the voice acting, I'd assume. They're like, <laughs> here, we'll come in for a quick scan of our, vo- our body model, but I got stuff I need to do, Yeah. But are they doing the acting for the body? Oh, I would... No, I don't think so. I think it's just a rig. I think they probably have the actual voice actor probably doing it. Okay, so you think it's literally just their like likeness pasted onto this model? <laughs> yeah, I almost guarantee that's probably the case. That's, like, kind of bunk, dude. Like, do you, if you're going to scan someone into a video game, but they're like, oh, we don't have enough time to be a voice But Kojima's actor. a weirdo like, like that. Kojima's like, I just want you to be in my game <laughs> in any yeah, way that's, possible. <laughs> that's weird and, like, not in a great way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But it's... Especially since, you know, Nicholas Winding Refn was just popped up in this trailer, but then... Um, which, even with there already being a director in this game, I was like, wait, what the fuck? And even me knowing about Kojima's love for his movies. It was still weird, but uh, yeah, Guillermo's been in it since like the second trailer and is like, you know, coming off the whole Silent Hill thing. It's it's just weird, but that's what Death Stranding is. It's fucking weird and uh, nonetheless, I'm excited for it now. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be looking at the reviews on this one and who knows? I might just end up watching the fucking cutscenes on YouTube. I'm not completely <laughs> sure, but uh yeah, I'm I am engrossed by uh, the the story setup that we have so far. Yeah, I'm interested to see how successful this game will be because I don't think it's as as strong as a straight shot in terms of it being uh, great, but we'll see. It's very interesting. Yeah. I'll give it that. Now I will say this much, boys, and and you too. I remember a couple of jokes from you about oh, I'll be. Having my third grandchild before I play that Death Stranding game. <laughs> if this motherfucker comes out before 2020 starts, I'm going to be laughing. Because I was like, you never know. I mean... Could get delayed. He's getting this shit together real quick with his studio and this Sony deal and all that. And I hate to say I told you so, but... Yeah, I'm with you. Like, Because I was obviously one of those people, but it's one of those weird things where it's like... Why did we all have that idea in our head? If you like do the math, I don't think it's that weird that it's coming out this year. Well, we also have the well, assumption that this is a long game. We also don't know how long it is. Also, um, 
short of the game, the quicker the he development He was getting comes. his well, studio getting together. It. He and he's taken long times on a long time on other games before, particularly MGS Five, blowing uh, up with that like budget. The zeros and then like MGS Five Phantom Pain, like technically doesn't even have its full ending that it was meant to because he was just trying to make the game and trying to make the game and and would never stop. So eventually, Konami just had to have him put it out. Uh, we're running super long here, Dom, so let's get through everything on your list, and then we'll close out. So, all but one... Th- well, actually, let me start with the one thing I missed that I was hoping we'd see was was a Fable game. Um, that's something that... You know, we had Fable 3 on, I think, Xbox 360, um, so that's aged a bit. I just thought, like, you know, a, a current-gen or even next-gen Fable game, you know, out of one of the one of the Microsoft... Playground sucks when you're like good. waiting on one of your yeah. favorite series to finally get on this generation. I just I don't know I I was I was really sure it was going to be here like that Microsoft was going to have a big thing a big new thing um, from one of their first party studios right um, then it just wasn't there but I'm I'm still it's give it another year another two years it, whatever you know what I mean I'm that game I'll sure mark I'll I'll make a bet right now and I don't know what we can have as the stakes. But that game will be at E3 next year. I'd put my life so. savings on wow. it. Yeah, I would bet too. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I just I wish we had that uh, some good stuff from that this year. But I still am with you, and I'm pretty confident that it's being made and it's what we want. So, um, so as far I as guess, uh, are we looking at consoles coming out next fall? And so E3 2020 is all these big reveals of next gen games. Then yeah, I think we're gonna see a mix of games that are gonna come out launch window and then i think we're going to see games that are like yo we're early in development but we're going to we're going to this is going to release in maybe two or three years but here's the promise for the console right because like i think that's the most acceptable time is when a console is launching that's when people are more friendly to the idea of seeing games that are kind of far out when we're in the middle of a gen we don't want to see a game that's still four years away you know what i mean it's everything's already going so i think a lot of these companies are like here's our entry point to show off something early even if it's something, it's a tease for the next generation of games. And I think Microsoft and Sony are going to be like, give us everything you can because we want to sell this next platform. You know, So So then are we going to see any AAA games at E3 next year that are just for this gen? Uh, just for this gen? No. Yeah. I think so. Why not? Just for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One that don't come to the next gen consoles? AAA yeah, why games. Because yeah. that hasn't happened. Well... If E3 is in June of next year and the new consoles are that fall, I, I I don't know, Don. We may only see like one or two at most AAA games at E3 next like, year that aren't just. I think there will be games that come out for both platforms. Yeah, cross platform. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I should say, but just PS4, Xbox One, no. Yeah, I think we get a handful of that. Why not? It's still going to be like the biggest platforms. I mean. Yeah, but why why would they release one SKU for the old platform? Wouldn't they just make the well, most of it and have it on both next gen compatibility? People are talking about all these cross these games being possibly cross gen, but if they're gonna like just boost mode the shit out of your PS4 games already, it's like do we need a PS5 version of Death Stranding or whatever? You and know? I think that's kind of what I'm. Uh, but no, the I'm boost actually, is different than uh, <laughs> the boost is different than an actual port though because it yeah. it's not going to be it's not going to be exactly the one to one you know in terms of I performance. think we'll probably see some of those are like this is a PS4 game 
Um, but PS5 is backwards compatible, so like probably be a higher resolution or more stable on ps5 and tier because there are they they are gonna be 4k assets right jared you know even if they're developed for this gen yeah i guess so and to your point were you saying new games or any games because like ghost of tsushima well ghost of tsushima that could come out just on ps4 but i yeah exactly I'm talking about games unveiled oh yeah unveiled games no i think zero chance that they're just oh okay yeah, like stuff yeah. we don't even know about yet, of course. Exactly. Yeah, I'm talking about reveals. Yeah. Reveals, 0% yeah, okay. chance that it's just for this gen. Yeah, that's more, way more unlikely. So that gets me more stuff. excited about E3 next year then. Yeah, because if we're talking about games that we've seen but haven't come out yet, I'm with them. I think, yeah, there's some that'll, there's a handful at least that'll be. Because yeah. if we were if we were going to have another transitional year where it's like, well, the new consoles technically don't come out till this fall, so this E3 is still in, you know, last gen. Well, like we're still not sure of when the PS5 is coming out and what PlayStation's plan is, so it's tough to speculate for them. Sure. But with sure. Xbox, we know it's coming out holiday 2020, and we know uh, your games are all, com- uh, your library is going to be compatible, and we know Halo's launching, right? So right. we already know how Phil's trying to handle the next generation of consoles and not wanting to repeat 2013. So I do think we're going to see a lot of mm-hmm. stuff on Xbox's stage. Is Sony at E3? Are they doing their own thing? What's their plan? When's the console coming out? We don't know any of that, so it's tough. But I think at least from Microsoft, we'll see the next generation revealed, you know? So, we'll see. Um, okay. Give us your five most anticipated... After that very long <laughs> yeah. tangent, sorry, Dom. What's, yeah, what's my, yeah. my wonderings <laughs> about next year's E3? What are your five so most we already, anticipated? We already hit on four of them, you know? Um, we talked a lot about Fallen Order. I cannot wait for that. Yep. Doom... Wolfenstein, Outer Worlds, we've talked about a bunch already. The last thing I do want to mention that I'm excited for this year is Fallout 76, you guys. A lot of cool stuff got announced. Wow. It's all free. That is true. If I owned the game, I'd be stoked. I just don't own the game. Yeah. (laughs) Nuclear Winter, are you excited for that? I played one round of that Battle Royale, and it was awesome. I I mean, it's, you know, janky Fallout-type, you know, shooting mechanics, but I know it was going to sound dumb, but that kind of made it fun and, like, yeah. It's a little, like, level playing field where, like, I've kind of lost, you know, my first-person shooter coordination, you know, in, a, in an Apex. That is weird, man. World. Yeah. Like, because, like, Fallout games, the single-player campaigns, they never focus on that because of the uh, lack More of tactical. Uh, excellence yeah. when it mm-hmm. comes to the uh, shooting mechanics, and so for them to just have this whole game mode focusing on that as well. You want to hear something even more wild? Because I think this happened before we started the podcast. I played through Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas not even knowing there was a VAT system. Stop. Uh, No. No. Oh, I'm sorry. And I enjoyed those games. No, I didn't have any issue with it. I actually didn't really even use VATs much in Fallout 4 either. I just don't like it that much. It's not that it's not good or anything. It's just not. I got so used to playing without it, you know. Um, Yeah, dude. We're getting uh, this battle royale mode, which I already like. Um, Human NPCs. That was that was like I mean they should have been there from the start probably, <laughs> yeah. but nonetheless like it's cool that they're adding that back in and again free. for free. So yeah, these are like huge major updates for free. Um, granted, the microtransactions in that game are absolutely. Uh, don't buy any of that shit. That's well, a free it's, to play. Expensive. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, but at least there's no loot box type shit. Oh oh. Oh, man. <laughs> mm, I forgot, though. Because I started playing the game in general again. Like, the actual mode. And you can't... I I'm, I have to, like, Google and ask some questions. But I can't repair my shit anymore. I can have to... I have to buy repair kits. And I can only do that with microtransactions. 
please, I hope I'm wrong. But so you can't find those out in the world. Oh my god! It, it, this is how it is now. I, I literally might burn the damn disc in <laughs> because. How do you think uh, you Nintendo's going to monetize Breath of the Wild 2? Going to pay for those repair kits for your weapons, boys? Yeah. I'm just kidding. I, wait, <laughs> there so has to be a solution in the game. I just have a situation, it, Dom, that you start the game, you acquire or have a certain amount of repair kits, and then once you run out, there's no more in the world to go find. You just have to buy them? No, there never used to be repair kits at all. It was like you would find materials, uh. duct tape, adhesive, lead, I think metal, there's like, something added that maybe you don't know about. I would. There must be. The, the optimist be. in me believes that there is a system that was put in place because if they weren't there at launch, there's probably a new system where it's like you do it in-game or you purchase it. I would do a little bit more Googling maybe around. Maybe people were tired of finding all those individual pieces. Yeah. Maybe there's a certain that. vendor or something you have yeah. to go to for them. Who knows? Um, i got to figure it out because I was like – when I saw that, I'm like – this this isn't real. This isn't how they're doing this because I'm. Oh, and I, I ended at that actually, and I forgot it. It soured me really bad, but I, but everything else like it's cool. They announced this free stuff, so I'm hyped. Also, mm. shout out to Luigi's Mansion Three for looking dope, except still Luigi. no release date. <laughs> it comes out in 2019. Very weird. Yeah, that's weird. Um, that's it for this show. Next week we'll be returning to our normal format. We're talking about everything we've been playing and what we expect to play, and all that good stuff. Speaking about whatever news comes out, obviously post E3, it's pretty slow news here and there. So we'll see what we can scramble up. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT. We tweet all of the latest episodes and a bunch of gaming-related news and content. I am at Jared underscore. Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Jordan is at Malamotis. Go to YouTube, search Controlled Interest, subscribe, hit the bell notification so you know when we upload. You can like the video to help us grow as well. On iTunes, if you're following us there and you only listen to the podcast, please leave us a review. It definitely helps in the algorithm for us to move up the charts. The more people hearing the podcast, the bigger our audience grows, the better uh, content we can deliver to you guys. And we'll catch you guys next time with episode 150. Might be a special game I come up with uh, to celebrate 150. There might not be. Don't get your hopes up. Who knows? We'll catch you guys next time. Dude, what? I got my hopes up. (laughs) Bye.